We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to a GSPN crossover episode here on the Eurostep Podcast Network, which is proudly a part of the Blue Wire Podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me today, it's my good friend, one of the hosts of the Eurostep, Ty Windish. Ty, we're here to break down this clash of Eastern Conference Titans, some might say the two best teams in the NBA. We penciled in this episode in our schedules probably about two weeks ago. And it, it delivered, right? We saw the best of both of these two teams. Yeah, I mean, I, the one hesitation I would have is the Bucks without Bobby Portis and Jay Crowder, really just not at full strength. And I think, you know, hampered Chris, in a way Chris that is still on a minutes restriction. Chris, don't forget that. Thanasis didn't play in this game. I don't know if that was injury or load management related or what that was. So, yeah, I just think the Bucks. You know, it's pretty impressive they ended up winning anyway, given all that they dealt with. You know, the Celtics missing, you know, the, the Jays, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, not really that important because the mid-major version of the Celtics maybe better, maybe harder to beat, certainly even more annoying somehow uh, to, to contend with. So, yeah, this was a disgusting basketball game, Adam. I, I are you just going to go back to Iceland? You came back for this? Are you just This sucks. I'm going back. I'm going back to the waterfalls. Well, it's mission accomplished. I went on a GSPN diplomatic mission to to sell books basketball to the people of Iceland. The president was in attendance at Pfizer Forum last night, so that was a great success. Um, um, I, the timing was you could have picked a... I, is there a return policy on the Bucks basketball you sold them? Because listen, they they saw some, they saw great Drew buzzer beater. They saw an overtime win. They're going to be delighted. Everything, everything is great. Bucks Iceland relations, no issues there. When we agreed to this tie, I wasn't aware that I was putting myself in the line of fire to catch a lot of strays um, from Celtics Twitter. But we'll see how this goes. Maybe we got some oh. new listeners. Welcome yeah. to the people of Boston. Uh, I am Irish. I'll just put that out there. <laughs> I'm I'm real Irish, not like Lucky the Leprechaun. But anyway. I think that, I think you just made it even worse now. Did I? I don't yeah. think so. Le- you, leprechauns aren't them... Irish, side, So I hate to break it to them, but leprechauns aren't Irish. If you tell them it's bad to wear Kiss Me, I'm Irish stuff on St. Paddy's Day, then oh. they're really, they're really going to be out. Before we get into okay. some more talk about the Boston Celtics. Yeah. We've got some official business to take care of, right? 
We do. So extremely excited. GSPN has been partnered with Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin. You've probably heard on, on Eurostep and some other episodes about that partnership. This is a big Bobby Portis initiative. And as part of that partnership, we are super excited to be facilitating a signed Bobby Portis jersey giveaway. Rohan's got the jersey. He When he texted me to confirm he got it, it almost sounded like he thought about just like scrapping this and, and giving it away. I said, Rohan, no, you listen up, Rohan. You're out here eating caviar at Bucks games. You can get yourself a Bobby Portis jersey if you want to. This one's for the listeners. So go to gspn.info, our main hub for all podcasts, to find the entry form. It's a Google form. Entering is simple. You put in your name and your email address so we can contact you if you win. And this is how you get up multiple entries, up to five, actually. You share screenshots of yourself subscribed to any GSPN pod. So that is this, Eurostep Podcast Network, Milwaukee Bucks pods, cruising for a bruising, talk of the tundra, make time for this, as well as you can get that fifth entry by making a donation to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin, sending a screenshot of that. Please blur or crop any financial information. We don't want, uh, you know, uh, some something like Elon Musk would do situation here with financial information getting shared. But enter up to five times, subscribe to the shows. We didn't do Apple reviews because we know a lot of people listen on other platforms, don't want to exclude anyone. It can be Repod, our friends at Repod, if you want to subscribe there. But wherever you listen to podcasts, subscribe to all four GSPN shows. Listen to them, please, as well. But subscribe, screenshots, upload those to the form. You can get up to five entries to win a autographed Bobby Portis jersey. Rohan says it looks great. I think Rohan's going to try and enter. We're going to have to block his entries. But really excited to do this. Uh, and again, partner with such a great, excuse me, a great cause. I got a little choked up. Um, make sure even if you don't want the Bobby Portis jersey, which is incomprehensible to me, that you do also check out our Join Bobby Portis in Helping to Feed Kids PB&J Challenge link. That doesn't really have much to do with us. We're just trying to support that that cause. But donate, feed hungry kids through the PBMJ Challenge uh, here in Wisconsin because it's really sad if any kids are hungry. So let's try and stop that from happening. For sure. And the prize is so good that I got emotional at the thought of us simply parting with it. Also, again, not to bury the lead here, not only this jersey, you know, not only has Bobby Portis laid hands on this, Rowan has too. So I that's feel true. like for a lot of listeners, oh, that's no. going to that's gonna bring the appeal, if not the fiscal value of this jersey up even greater. Tom. I'm a so- little concerned now because Rohan gave away Rohan autographed an autographed item that he gave away once. I'm a little worried there's going to be an Arcadi on this thing somewhere. If any, can... wants, if any prize winner eventually wants their jersey ruined, I mean, you could make that request, but we'd strongly advise say, against it. I was going to say, if you win and you really want Rohan to sign it too, I think we can make that happen. He does love signing stuff. <laughs> All right, to the game itself. The books came out. With uh, a big overtime win, not a very pretty one, but this is a really important game, regardless of what the the circumstances ultimately proved to be around it. Um, the Bucks and Celtics are now level in the loss column, with the Bucks just half a game back of the top spot in the Eastern Conference. That takes the win streak to eleven games since Chris Middleton's latest return. The Bucks looking like a juggernaut, and I think in part because. We've seen the good, but we're also seeing them kind of grind out games where it's not fully there for them. Um, this would seem like another example of that. Where do you want to start, Ty? What are the big takeaways for you from this game, which is against possibly the Bucks' biggest rival this season, a team we could be talking a lot about come conference finals, although a very different version of them than we're likely to see then. I think I want to talk about you know, why this isn't an instructive game for Bucks Celtics in a second. Like, I, I think th- I see all these, the Bucks barely beat Boston's B team. I, I don't think it says anything about healthy Bucks versus healthy Celtics. And I would have said the same, obviously, had the Bucks won by 20. But I, we have to start with Drew Holiday, who I think was, you know, shined even brighter than Giannis, which does not usually happen. I mean, Giannis had 36 points, despite it looking like a tough Giannis night, 13 boards, nine assists, almost had the triple-double. If he plays against Chicago, will probably become the Bucks' all-time leading assist man. I think he only needs two now. But Drew Holiday, 40 points, seven assists, three steals, five rebounds, 
late in this game in overtime in the fourth quarter in the second half, just time and time again, when nobody else felt like they could hit a three in the second half of this game, able to hit clutch threes, either step backs, catch and shoot, the defense just creating some huge splash plays on Derek White late, getting the Bucks running, you know, not, not as dramatic as the, the value, but it was that level of he's just wrecking the offense and getting the Bucks basically free points. He was so clutch. You could tell Drew did not want to lose this game. Eight for 12 from deep. I think probably his finest regular season moment. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to compare with playoffs. I mean, there's been too many legendary things Drew was a part of, but certainly one of overall, easily you can say one of Drew's finest Milwaukee Bucks moments and just an exclamation point on the don't question Drew Holiday's all-star candidacy statement that we've all been making, which is nice to see from Drew as well. Yeah, I think that that was one of the nice parts of it is the timing, the proximity to the All-Star game to get a high-profile game like this. Sure, we didn't have Tatum, we didn't have Jalen Brown out there, Marcus Smart, but this was still Buck Celtics on TNT, and Drew was coming up with the full range of kind of big Drew Holiday moments. I think we're just at this point completely used to, in a way, like happened to us with Bobby Portis, the fact that Drew is a really, really good three-point shooter, and even some of the the inconsistencies or questions that could have been there over how it would fluctuate from game to game or month to month or season to season before he came to Milwaukee, kind of disappearing. He's up high 30s. I think he's 38.5 or something like that now for for this season on on a really good volume. We know the kind of shots he likes to take, his step back. He's got really, really good at stepping into open trees. And we're seeing all of that pay off. But then there are the plays that, really only him plus maybe one or two guys in the league can make and um, the plays that I think were most readily associated with Kawhi Leonard once upon a time which are now just Drew's signature which is just oh there's the ball that's mine thank you and we got another great example of that I don't have a problem with the Celtics having a reminder of that element of Drew Holiday's play regardless of who was on the floor but I actually think it's kind of instructive um, in terms of how this game played out and one of the only areas I would look to and say it's one of the more interesting elements is Derek White and Malcolm Brogdon are both really, really good players, like really, really good guards. Drew Holiday's defense and those guys, though, in a playoff series, if that's what it takes, can cause them problems. Obviously, Drew will have different matchups to consider, but I, I think that's an interesting example of last night's game is one where you see, for as much as everyone's talking about uh, the main red claws going up against the Bucks last night, it's not the case. The Celtics' depth is about as good as anyone not named the books. But those kind of guys who are out there for as much as they could do, when it came to a couple of key moments to turn it up, Drew Holiday got to showcase, okay, well, this is what it's like to go against the books from a guard perspective. And there was probably a couple of things left in the chamber. Bud was not his most dialed in, as I think we'll get to for this oh, game. Um, but I... I Enjoy the fact that I think we're seeing the full experience of what Drew is this season and what he's doing for the books. And hopefully it's a version that's going to translate a lot more smoothly into late season and postseason this year, because let's not forget Drew has always been good for big playoff moments for the books, but his overall level of performance has been one that has been more inconsistent than I think we could say his play this year has been today. Yeah. The the thing about the Celtics depth that I found really interesting watching this game was Brogdon's Brogdon pretty much no matter what. I, I feel like you can scale up or down his usage. He's going to do a lot of the same things. Derek White's just like their best play initiator. And when they're healthy, he just doesn't get to do it at all. And I'm, I'm kind of like, I didn't know he could still do this. And I know he's been, it's been recently, like since all these guys have been out, he's had like, like five straight 20 and 10 games, I think, or double doubles with assists. And it's like, Kind of weird they don't use that more. I don't know, you know, is that going to be a topic of conversation? Does Joe Mazzulla have conversations? I don't know. Seems like it just kind of stands over there a lot of the game. But, um, I mean, as a Bucks fan, I guess. Yeah, but you, you can conversations see with, with his royal family. That's serious. That's true. That's true. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that – I think so I think their depth is set up to look good because – you scale up. There's diminishing returns with Derek White's role on this team, clearly, because 
I mean, in that Buck series, he had a couple of nice, quiet moments, but mm-hmm. he kind of just floats. He's a good defender. I don't think he's the defender he's cracked up to be. He's obviously not a Drew Holiday-level guy because no one really is on the perimeter anymore. But it's like, okay, he can step into 20 and 10 if the usage is there. And then they just have guys who can bomb away around him, and they have a second ball handler in Brogdon. So they're set up to play well without their guys. I mean, it's not that crucial when they're healthy and hopefully the playoff series, but it is good for them to survive the absence. Um, and they just, they did bomb away threes. I think they actually shot fairly inefficiently at the end. It seemed like they kind of were losing their legs. They were 34%, but still made almost as many threes as the Bucks because they took 50 of them. Um, I want to talk about another player, kind of a random one. Okay. Do you want to guess who impressed me in this game? Grayson? Yeah. Yeah. I, Grayson I had the Allen. Same thought. 13 points. the defensive play, which maybe we get to in a second, but go on. No, that's, I, I was going to, so he's 13 points, four rebounds, two assists, and like none of that stuff. That's good. I mean, he scored decently, pretty well. I mean, he was the fourth leading scorer on the team. Um, only the big three scored more than Grayson, which is always nice to see that. But it was the defensive end that was impressive. He didn't just hang in there. He made splash plays too. I mean, he had a steal late in the game. It's his only credited one. But at no point was he a weakness to the Bucks defense. Like Ingles, who we'll talk about, not, not the same story. Um, but Grayson Allen held up really well. And you could see that that physical play, I think on both ends, really. I think defensively, you saw he's going for the ball. Offensively, I've never seen him create so much contact on drives. He was doing the LeBron bump where like he starts the drive and like about 40% in, he just bumps into the guy and then kind of pulls back to take a shot and getting the fouls. And it was like, oh, okay. I mean, we've seen him go to the rim with varying results because he always tries to like careen around guys and mm-hmm. almost do like a running sky hook, but he doesn't go very vertical and they can be pretty ugly. This shot was like, oh, wow, that's... You know, he's really forcing the issue. He's really being aggressive. He looked like he fit out there. And I don't think, I mean, obviously, again, it's the Celtics B team. It's a little harder with Jason Tatum trying to dice you up than Derek White or Malcolm Brogdon even. But I I think what we saw, I'm not going to fully buy it until we see it in the playoffs still. But it's like, okay, he can probably survive out there. He He can get beat but not be not get beat so bad that it totally kills your team, which I think, you know, that's a little bit where Pat is against this level of players. Like Pat's not shutting down Jason Tatum, right? Like that's still not ideal for the Bucks, and he'll get beat, but he'll make the guy work at least a bit. And and there's other possessions where, you know, they'll, they'll fight to not get that switch and keep Drew or Wes. And I think if Grayson can get there, then I'm a lot more high on his ability to play in the playoffs because that's just a more useful two-way player. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic 
Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I'd be interested to see the late March game. That's what I'd say. Yes. About it. And to, to see if, if we see a real version to Celtics, if the books are still going strong and Grayson is involved. Of course, this is still a question that we're kind of, we're waiting to see how the rotation pans out when Chris does make the move back into the starting lineup. Um, I, I think one of the things that was interesting for me is I think the defense, the defensive approach the books were forced into by this version of the Celtics, the Celtics seemed out their focal points. It's actually the kind of game that the books tend to struggle with more often where there isn't kind of a head of the snake or multiple for the focus to go on defensively where you're like, okay, Drew has got that guy. Giannis is going to be on this guy. And then you're more wary of even where mismatches will be hunted, where Brooks going to be pulled into the play. This was a lot more of a, by committee, free-flowing ball movement. And I think the Bucks often really, really struggle with that. It it pulls their defense in ways that they're not as comfortable in as at this point where they are. If it's like, okay, well, Jason Tatum's out there. We know Jason Tatum is going to have the ball most of the time. And funnily enough, I think while there are other players on the Bucks who maybe didn't deal with it as well in this game, I think it, it plays into Grayson's skills much more so. It's a lot easier. There's no nightmare matchup there. He could focus on staying in front of guys and then use his good active hands that we know about to make impactful plays. So we saw some of that, but I, I don't think it's a coincidence that you get a game like this and it ends up slightly closer for the books because of what Derek White's doing and the ways in which Derek White can do damage. That we see Sam Hauser pop up and have really big plays, even Brogdon, because these are the kind of players that often hurt the books. And I think we just kind of... We put it down to, okay, there's a guy over and that's who's doing the damage. I don't necessarily think it's always that as much as without star players or when in the kind of fashion that those players will get their shots when the stars are around. They often come around in a way that is not quite playing to the book's strengths defensively. And it feels like like this could easily have been a trap game, and I guess it was. You end up in overtime. But the Bucks navigated it pretty well while also looking uncomfortable. And I'm kind of fine with that because the Celtics could go and say, okay, we've got Tatum and we've got Brown, and that frees us up to really play in a style similar to how they played on Tuesday night, but to do so knowing, well, we're going to have better players as kind of the, the final pass every single time. I don't believe they'll do it, though. I think a version of basketball like that tends to get at some of the issues the books struggle with most. And so I wasn't shocked that, okay, this is very much Celtics by committee causing some books problems. I think it also says something that Grayson did well with that. If he does well in a game where I think we see a much more kind of rooted in how the Celtics would be playing in a playoff series where it's much more focused on Tatum and Brown, that would be intriguing. But to tip our hat to Grayson. I think Grayson's been doing a pretty nice job lately. Um, and even with Chris coming back, it's something we've talked for a long time because it was a conversation last year too, where the books picked up Grayson, Brooke was out basically the entire season. They hardly got to play together until it was nearly the playoffs. Then Chris goes down. He hasn't got to work out who he is and what his role and just how important he is within what we would say is consensus, the book's best team. Certainly, the core four, but add in Bobby Pat to that as well. Now we're going to have Jay Crowder in the mix. We've got Javon, Wes Matthews back there. Whatever kind of combination that is, for as many games as Grayson Allen has now played at a book, there's still an element of that that is being worked out. And we're (laughs) amazingly at an all-star break coming up to for another season, and we're still in that kind of spot with him. Um, but I, I think as his role has adjusted slightly with where Chris's minutes are coming in and as they're ramping up, I think he's doing a pretty nice job. And going into, what would we say, six, eight weeks ago, where I think all Bucks fans would have been, okay, you need to make a deal at the deadline. Well, 
Grayson. Like Grayson makes sense salary wise, but also Grayson is very much a player that the Bucks can afford to lose. Now in a place where they went and got Jay Crowder and they've still got Grayson out, and that feels like a really strong basis for the Bucks to work from. Yeah, I agree, and I just think that it's some of the trades getting thrown out as happens every year with every fan base. But it's like, oh, can we get Alec Burks? Like, why? Why? I'd rather have Grayson Allen than Alec Burks. It got to a point where it was just everyone who it seemed like was feasibly available for some form of Grayson and and picks or whatever outside of the the Crowder construct was like. Rather just have grace. Like I think you know, I, I know the playoff memories are bad. I'm I'm right there with folks, but you do have to assume that a healthier Bucks team covers for him more in that situation than you know he was basically like, hey, go be the third guy offensively against the Boston Celtics, and it didn't go that well, which I think makes sense, and probably was never going to go all that well. I, I'm encouraged by the more physical play. I think on both ends, and I hope I hope we get to see more of that. And I think you know that is a very boxy thing for a player like Grayson Allen to pick up from being here this long, right? Of seeing like, how did Pat get better? How does Giannis get better? How is Drew so good? It's physicality to a certain extent with all of them. I mean, Pat a little less probably, but those are all guys well, who I don't know live in I, the weight room. I, I think that's a big part of the difference between Pat in Portland and Pat with the books. Like yeah, if, if it gets you want to the rim now, that's for sure. Absolutely. And it's he always we don't need to get into Pat's athletic history. We all know it. <laughs> but he always had those tools, but it's like, okay, well, how can you utilize them and how best for who he is as a player? And the reality is it always had to be how do you make him that his body allows him to play up more than play down with those skills? And I think the books figured that out. I think the over a longer arc, Grayson's career trajectory will move in a similar direction where it's like, okay, yeah. can he play up more? Um, and even with the way the book's rotation is looking right now, and we look at the spots where maybe I think there's a good example, obviously with Bobby out and Brooke really struggled in this game. They're going to have problems one way or another. They may be very solvable problems by giving a different look, but in the rotation, they're going to have problems in the front court at center at times against really good teams and everyone's going to be moving up a spot and it's okay are you comfortable with that grace not only you're comfortable with it are you good at that yeah um, and i think the books making him into someone who is holds his own much more at the three rather than the two even is a big win and that does come down to that physicality so i i think on pat that is important like it's key for drew and and Giannis, but i do think that was a key part of the pat story and probably is an emphasis with grayson yeah, and I think you look at, uh, obviously, they're, they're such different players and regarded so differently by the Bucks fans, but Grayson is kind of too that, like, oh, he's springier than you would think, right? Like, he's got, he's, he doesn't dunk very often, but, you know, you see him fly through the air, it's like, oh, yeah, he is a very high-level athlete. So I, I think that that working toward the same idea makes sense there. Uh, he Grayson can obviously do more with the ball in his hands, and I just, I don't know, I hope we, I hope it's not one of those where, like, he got up for Boston and we don't see him drive like that, you know, for months. I hope to see it every game now or, you know, not consistently maybe, but I hope to see it on and off for the rest of his games. But yeah, it was, it was an encouraging Grayson Allen game for sure. Should we talk about the guys who didn't have a great time in this one? I mean, Giannis find, found a way as Giannis does. Chris looked good again. The minutes restriction is just so frustrating. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of Bucks fans who are extremely frustrated I just feel like it is what it is, and, and that's where we're at now, and hopefully we're not there after the break. We must but be getting close. We must be getting close. You would close. certainly hope. I he mean, did he look tired late, late in the game, I thought. Yeah. I thought. Right near the end of the game, he did look tired, which is to be expected. But, hey, he's played 25 minutes, so that's okay. Like We're we're getting to really meaningful spots now. I, I think that is probably close. Whether it's right after All-Star, I don't know, because maybe they have like, oh, we want X number of games. Um, I, I don't mm. know if rest is honestly going to be the thing they're they're looking for with ramping him up to go restriction free. So they might want three more games, for example. But um, it's got to be close. Sure, hope so. Uh, let's talk about Brooke. We love the big guys. No one loves Brooke more than Adam McGee. It's true. I think he he is engaged. So maybe one person, but well, his family. But it, Adam's up there. Adam's in the mix. I, I would say. Brooke, not a great game. 0 for 3. I think all three shots he missed were threes. Uh, 4 for 4 from free throw. Two rebounds. Um, minus 5, which that was like a minus 17 in the first half. He was on on the court for a pretty strong run in the second half. But 
I think Horford being out, and I will say, it, you know, took a little shot at Missoula earlier. I saw a little bit of like, oh, Bud isn't matching up Brooks minutes with Time Lord. That's or Robert Williams. That's so stupid. Robert Williams didn't see the court until Brooke was subbed out very specifically. I, I think the Celtics, they don't like that still. I, I think they know that when Robert Williams is out there, or I think even Horford to a lesser extent, Brooke's able to get a little more comfortable in the paint. And versus this team with Blake, who all he does now is flop and bomb away threes, Brooke just, there was no island for him. It felt like he wasn't able to get comfortable defensively. He wasn't able to impact the game really on either end. And I saw a lot of, oh, they should post him up. The Celtics are small. They're not that small. I mean, you know, I, Grant Williams is is big and strong and stocky. Blake is going to flop. And they're just such a swarming defense and Brooks' speed to get the ball up. Like the way that, the, especially the honest also out there, and they're not going to be worried about him away from the cup. I, it's tough for him to get the ball and get in position and not get swarmed and, and you know, got into by a little guy who's going to swipe the ball out. So I, I didn't think they should have posted him more. Just a tough matchup for him. And again, a tough time to be basically without both of the other four options in Crowder and Bobby. And Bobby's someone, of course, who can slide up to the five as well. Yeah, the, the defensive side is, I guess, where, where I'll focus on this. And I, I think this is the inverse of Grayson. I, I know a lot of people will feel that this is not the case because the idea is, okay, Brooke is out there. You're going to have Tatum. You're going to have Brown hunting for mismatches. Brooke is a lot more comfortable in that space than he is here. I think the phrase you use, which I'd agree with entirely, is there was no island for him in this game. We know the role he plays within the Bucks defense and how he how he acts like a kind of quarterback for for the for the defense, how he's the person barking out instructions and kind of reading the defense. He surveys the play in front of him. And again, I just think without a focal point and then without someone inside who's kind of going to challenge him directly or keep him occupied it was a game that just it wasn't there for Brooke like it just wasn't his kind of game in a way that Horford would certainly change Robert Williams would absolutely change you're right that may be something the Celtics were just staying away from intentionally at the same time I don't know if that's smart by them like I I've missed the full reaction to this in recent days maybe we'll talk some deadline stuff um, but because I was somewhat out of commission, like I saw the Mike Mascala deal happen and people are like, oh, Mike Mascala, I'm I'm getting out in front of this now and I don't care. I don't care if I'm setting us up for trouble down the line. No, I, I already, Dermot, no, 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 they'll blame me first because I did a the okay, ringer. Good. The, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but I did the Jordan laughing at iPad thing because um, a ringer writer said he was the underrated move and this prevents them from starting Luke Cornett against Giannis or Embiid. And I just like... What are we doing? And he had a pretty good game. He was minus Honestly, five. He didn't shoot threes well, but he he was good. He dunked. He got a tech. He's not it. Like yeah. the di- the difference between Luke Cornett and Mike Muscala is not as great as anyone might like to tell themselves. I've watched I kinda, plenty of Mike Muscala over the years. He is not it. He will have think... a couple of games that are useful. Not a not a good defender. Not a really good offensive player. He's just like what he would be. For example, in the book situation where we're like okay, Bobby's out and Brooks there. It would be great to just have another kind of somewhat playable big body as depth. I think that would be something where you're like, fine. But if if this is something where they're not going to play Robert Williams for fear of how that matchup goes with Brooke and we're going to see Mike Mascala, I think the Bucks would be quite happy with that in a lot of other ways come playoff time. So that's something that, again, I guess we'll see how the Celtics rotation evolves um, as guys get back and as Mascala settles in and then when the Bucks and Celtics play each other again but uh, that's that's one that I will be very happy if we see a lot of Mike Mascala in a playoff series against the Celtics I also think I mean Cornette is not good so I, I get that no, he's but not. Blake I, I actually think Blake just finds ways to give us the Bucks problems and yeah. has ever since they swept he's him so annoying Ty yeah like, he's, he's always ex- has been yeah, and even he's not that good anymore, but he just like he's he's like one of those like organisms that's designed to survive the apocalypse. Like losing most of his athleticism is the should have been the apocalypse to Blake Griffin's NBA career, 
and he just finds ways. Like he always hits threes. It feels like in games like this, and I'm sure you look at the playoff numbers and he's not doing that well, but certainly this last you know week when guys have been out, he's stepped up and hit shots. He's always flopping. He's always getting in the way of contact. And it's like, I kind of would rather roll with that guy more, to be honest. Like, I kind of think if you're Joel Embiid or Giannis, you'd rather see Mike Muscala out there, even if you have to jog out and guard him from three occasionally, than Blake, who you also kind of have to do that with. And he's going to give you more trouble on the offensive end. Um, so he's more yeah, I think physical. It's interesting. He's, he's yeah. more competitive. Like, he's a smart player. He really likes to win. It's actually something yeah. that. I, I kind of like give him credit for given the trajectory too. of his career because it's usually the problem with superstars when they get to this point in their career and if they have injury history like him, they're just done. They're in China or they're retired. He's not because he clearly likes to play basketball. He likes to win. He's really competitive. And when he and goes the out comedy there, thing hasn't taken off yet. So he needs it to... hasn't taken off yet. I feel like that really died a few years ago. He had, had yeah. some good momentum and then it's just, it stopped. Um, <laughs> but I agree completely on that. I mean, I think Blake Griffin is a player and he does have moments offensively still like Blake Griffin is still in there. Just physically, he can't do all of that anymore. I would rather see Mascala than him. Yeah. Um, But I I think as for Brooke, like there is something to be said for, we talk about weaponize your size quite a lot when the books have their best kind of primary defenders on the opponents, best players and then if there's an action work to create a mismatch, well, then Brooke is out and Brooke is ready to go and threaten shots with his, with his length. Like that is that is kind of the formula for the books. I think that unlocks a lot of their best defense. And this was not the game for that, really. You have a couple of instances, but it wasn't quite, okay, Drew's on Derek White and they're going to work a mismatch and Brooke's going to come out there to the perimeter. And it, it's not the same thing as you're going to have with Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown. Much better players who will do damage and they will exploit that element of the books matchup um but maybe in ways that aren't quite as obvious in ways that are better suited to the books the books have a better chance to compete and brooks specifically then some of the kind of weird things that just unfolded by the nature of the celtics lineup i also think you know the first three quarters the Bucks slept walk through through this. Yeah. I mean, they, they got some bad first, calls. At first quarter in particular, they weren't ready to come out and play, which is a, no. an old Bucks problem we don't see as much of, thankfully. I mean, I think the letdown of just not seeing, you know, any Celtic starters playing, I think it got to them. And then, you know, the, I just think it, it made sense as disappointing as it was. Like, I understood. And it's also two games before the break. I mean, the Bulls game uh, Thursday, I think, is, is huge letdown potential. I really hope my tweet doesn't end up being right. I think I said the most Bucks outcome is they play like crap and barely scrap a win over Boston, check, and then somehow get absolutely dusted by the Bulls who are getting stomped by, like, the Magic. It's looming. We'll see. Hopefully they cannot avoid that outcome. Um, but I, I just think they, they didn't come prepared to play, and we know this Boston team, really all the players on that team, I feel like, are exactly the kind of guys who – Sam Hauser lives for this, dude. Like, mm-hmm. Sam Hauser getting a bomb away against the box. Of, of course, he's going to play well. Derek White finally getting to actually hold the ball again, of course. Blake versus the Bucks. We know how that's going to be. All, all this stuff. Mike Muscala was fighting. Somebody showed Mike Muscala our, our takes, I think, because he got his first ever NBA Tech 10 year career. Uh, I was wondering, was he looking over to like just coaches on that books bench that Mike Muscala has experienced? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember exactly how things maybe panned out with him and Bud, but I don't know if no. there's extra motivation in that part of that. I just, um, I would, I need like the, the NBA has all these cameras. I need the exact Bud face when Mike Buscala screamed at him. I just can't imagine the, just confusion, disgust, and whatever. Maybe he was smiling, who knows? Um, but yeah, just a game that just screamed slop. And I think, you know, the Bucks end up winning. I just think we didn't get anything that useful. I mean, we talked about the grace and stuff. I do think it's interesting. They don't want Brooke to be comfortable. And I think this goes back to the playoff series when they just didn't play Robert Williams. And it was, oh, he was hurt. Maybe he's hurt early. I think he could have played, but and he played right away, I think, the next round against Miami. I don't think they like having him out there against Brooke. Like, I think they don't want Brooke to be comfortable, which shows you – you know, their true thoughts on what he can do when he is comfortable and, and the importance for them of making sure he isn't. So I thought that was interesting. I, I was like, oh, they're still going out of their way. Because Robert Williams, I, I saw Celtics like Jake Hager, who 
whoever tweeted like, oh, he must not actually be playing because Luke Cornette came in first and played like two minutes. That's all he played. And then as soon as Brooke goes out, Robert Williams goes in. It's like, oh, they don't want that. They don't want Brooke in the paint at all. It makes a lot of sense. Like part of that may well be laying the groundwork. Coaches differ on this. We know Bud does not lay any groundwork. And in fact, (laughs) he just does the opposite. He may in fact have just been making some of the terrible decisions last night. So not to make the good decisions against the Celtic. I'm not saying that to like give Bud credit. That is just his matchup approach. You'd be like, oh, it's a big game. And then all of a sudden you're like, what is, why is this player playing? Who's clearly not going to play in the playoffs. We've seen it happen over the years. He really leans the opposite way, but is not giving anything away that is relevant to a playoff matchup. It makes sense for them, though, beyond just Brooks' importance to the books. If you can really kind of push the buttons and get inside Brooks' head, inside the books' head on how you may game plan against him, they want Tatum and Brown to have good roots to the rim in a postseason series. They don't want to have to rely on making tons of trees, making tons of mid-range shots. We know those guys are capable of that, but the Celtics know better than anyone what that can lead to. There's a reason why this Celtics team hasn't fully got over the hump yet. And I think the the most complete version of them and the, like, did they see the Bucks as their biggest threat, I guess, in terms of matchup? Certainly in the I East, mean, I mean. I think I they don't... have to. They, they pretty much blitz through everybody else. But I, I do think they, they would probably have... I don't want to say concerns about the Sixers because I just mean concerns about Embiid. Like center is the position, and it's not a, and a it's not a coincidence that like legitimately kind of big centers are something that pose a concern for them, where they they get a little on the back foot and they're trying to work out, okay, how do we take this away? And it kind of it gets into their plans more than a lot of other stuff does. Brooke fits into that in a different way. Um, Embiid, if if you're kind of thinking like that for Brooke, though, like if they played the Sixers, Embiid could give them all sorts of problems. And I I really don't know where the answers are. So that is an interesting, just I guess area of their roster and their jet their depth chart generally, where it's it's not quite something they're comfortable with. And I think they may find themselves doing some weird things. That do they bring the best version to Celtics? Almost certainly no, but they might bring a slightly lesser version of the books or the Sixers to a game. The one other thing I'll just add on the sloppy first quarter wasn't it, wasn't it four days between games, and I think that's yeah. something not to be underestimated. In addition to the anticlimax of seeing what the Celtics starting lineup was, uh, Bucks looked a little bit rusty, and it, it certainly played out that way. Hundred um, percent. Another guy who found ways to add, but still certainly late in the game, you can just tell is not going to be a player who can close games against this team. Joe Ingles, who's three for seven from the field, two for six from deep, did have uh, six rebounds and three assists, and I believe a steal as well. Five fouls, though. And it was funny because in overtime, they, they, they always go through, right, like who's in foul trouble. And, and Brian Anderson kept, you know, and Ingles had to check out with the five fouls. I was like, no, Ingles had to check out because even this version of the Celtics, they're, they were getting him on every possession, and they started overtime up five. And this is really... I don't, I never was like they're totally out of it because it always just felt like this Celtics team is going to run out of steam because they're so, so shorthanded and the Bucks just need to put together a few minutes and they kept doing it to stay in and then they would blow it and they obviously did that to end regulation. They go down five to start and I was like, oh man, like they might actually lose this. It's going to be super annoying. They came back and won, thankfully. Drew Holiday, just Drew and Giannis, but really Drew Holiday and Grayson as well. But Ingles, I mean, really like they found so much joy and that's on Derek white and i think whereas you can kind of look at some other things about this game and go you know not that there it's totally favors the bucks but you can see why it was maybe more difficult given this personnel that i think is going to be even worse because they're going to do the same thing we know this we've seen this with grayson before it's just going to be jason tatum and jalen brown instead of Derek white which i think is probably even more scary i mean maybe those players are less quick but I just think, in general, Ingles just wasn't able to stay in front of really anyone in this game. And it's kind of been sort of flying under the radar. He does enough offensively. It's going to be nice to have Jay Crowder and just be able to late in games go, yeah, we're not going to give you that guy to pick on. And, and Ingles, I think, can play in every series. 
I just think it depends how much he can play in the second half of every series. The offense was good, and the Bucks' offense looks good when I'm out there. Uh, as flawed as single game plus minus is, I do think the plus 11 shows something for Ingles. Like, the yeah. Bucks, when things get bogged down, having Joe Ingles out there is giving them something extra. Now, where you would really be concerned in a series is, for example, if Brooks' influence was being kind of nullified or he was being played off the court well then your defense is missing that and then it gets tougher to have joe ingles out there i think the knock-on effect of something like that if the celtics could get brooke out of a series and say we end up seeing a lot more bobby or if it's jay crowder playing the four yance to five whatever it might end up being i think you you might see knock-on effects there his offense is good though and i i, I honestly i think it's just a case of like he is who joe ingles is and who we thought he is he's game he's competitive it's just something come playoff time, those spots have to be picked right for when it's him as opposed to Crowder, for example, or Wes Matthews or whoever that might be. And you need to you need to kind of cash in on them and they need to be short, sharp bursts. Like you can bring Joe Ingles in for four minutes and you could gain eight points if you've got good defenders around them and the offense gets humming. And then you just you take him out of there. You don't take it for granted and be like, oh, something good's going with Joe Ingles and leave him out there to play most of the game. I think you take your opportunities, you pick your moments and let him go out there and help to fuel your offense. And then it's, okay, we've got what we've got out of that. Let's buckle down and let's let the defense take over. I I just think it's, it's again, it's one of these games. And when you're watching what the books have, obviously so much attention from this game is on, the depth that the Celtics have, because that's all we got to see from them. But when you see who the books are playing, and then you think about who the books aren't playing, you see Jay Crowder and Street Clothes on the bench. Obviously, Bobby's injured. It is insane. The depth is insane, and the depth of skilled role players. Skilled, you know, you've got an offensive specialist in, in Ingles in a way they've never had before. Someone who is capable of playmaking and creating. Um, in a way that's not, oh, you give this guy the ball and he's going to take over and do this, but in a sense that's really perfectly complementary to the kind of stars that the books have and how have it you, times. Go on. Have you heard what the the nickname my buddy came up for? My buddy Colin, not to go full 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 Bill Simmons. This sounds full Bill Simmons. I don't think so. Go on. Kroger, Chris. Kroger. I don't know if you, Kroger is like a name brand thing here. Oh, okay. Like store brand. So Kroger, Chris. So it's like. You know, like uh, like you know, like a fake Mountain Dew or something like that. I can see that. That's kind of what he gives, and I think that's going to be his role in the playoffs. Is like play. I mean, he can play with Chris too. I think the ball movement when he's out there is noticeably better, and I think that did help spark them because they were trying to isolate and do mismatches, and it just wasn't working. And then they put in Ingles, and you know, suddenly the ball moves, and they're getting open shots, and they take the lead at some point in the third quarter. Um, and I think that's the other, that's part of it, like just getting him out there for more ball movement with the starters and the core four. And also when Chris isn't out there, just another guy who like Giannis is willing to give up the ball. And I've said this a lot about Ingles. That's a big deal. There's a lot of players as nice as Javon has been at moments. Giannis isn't like, yeah, I'll run five pick and rolls in a row with Javon Carter. It's just different. I think there's really like three guys on the team that he's willing to do that with. And Ingles is one of them. We know the other two are Drew and Chris. So uh, I I think, yeah, he's going to add in every series. You just have to be careful late in games. I kind of think Bud was... You mentioned it earlier, it doesn't give anything away. I kind of think that's why West plays 10 minutes. Yeah, and I also think not having Tatum and yeah. Brown, this this is not the perfect Celtics game for West, and that's fine. And maybe you're just like, okay, you know, you'll see DeMar DeRozan in a couple of nights, and we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll use you there. And that is, I if we look overall at how West has been used this season, there's been a much more selective nature to that. And honestly, it might make sense to look at who the Celtics are playing and be like, yeah, this isn't the game we're going to burn you on. So play a few minutes and then rest up. Uh, the, the thing on Ingles, I'll say, is it's very noticeable. The kind of possessions where the books used to have a lot of problems where, let's say, they try to get into a set. Or Giannis could have it. It could be Drew. And they're looking for a screener to come up. They're trying to find some space to operate. And when they'd kind of flub an action and then you're left scrambling around and things would be dead in a hurry. Joe Ingles is the out. He is the release valve because he's constantly rotating from position to position in a way that someone like Pat does as well, which is just important. We talk about ball movement. 
I always talk about player movement is as crucial to that. And it's something the books have just desperately lacked over the years with the kind of shooters and wing players they've had in the roster. Ingles does that. But as you said, Giannis trusts him, Drew trusts him, Chris trusts him. So if any of those guys get bogged down in trying to run what was plan A for the offense, everyone is comfortable to very quickly get it out to Ingles. And whether he's going to give it back to them or he's going to then run something himself, everyone's kind of fine with that. And in the, I guess, the play random idea of the books, that's a big deal. Having another guy where you can be more reactive, where you can be more improvisational without the thing falling apart and being like, well, there was no plan there and it didn't work out. It, that makes a lot of sense and is a big deal where we will see him. It's just going to have to be going to make Ingles minutes count and you've got to know exactly when to pull the plug. I think that's going to be the key when we get to the playoffs. Couldn't agree more. Quickly on Pat, I saw some, oh, it wasn't a great Pat game. It was a quiet pack game. I, he finds ways to contribute. He had eight rebounds, hit three assists, had a block, five points, two for five from the field, 35 minutes. They just trust him to play. Minus seven, I think, like, the way the first half went, and he played a lot with the starters because he did start. It was kind of – that's a lot of the plus minus. It's like the bench guys benefited because they weren't out there in the first half when the starters with Brooke just got absolutely killed. Um, but it was fine. Not concerned about Pat at all. Never have been. Not for years. Won't be probably for a long time. Um I can't decide. Chris, I, I want to talk about Chris at center because I think it's fascinating. I don't think they'll do it at all. Mm, probably when the Bucks are mostly healthy. Certainly not in the playoffs when I think either Bobby, Giannis, or Brooke will be out there for pretty much all the minutes in, in the games that count. But I think it's interesting, and I think they might have stu- – I, I think it's good because it's so frustrating to me that it's clearly been Chris at center the whole time they've been doing it, and the broadcasts are like – is Joe Ingles at center? No, Chris is guarding yeah. the centers. Chris is the biggest guy out there, and they're putting him on the centers. It's Chris at center. It's the five out. It doesn't matter that much. I like, though, kind of almost prodding Chris into playing bigger because that's been at times a frustrating thing about Chris is he is a big guy. He's 6'8". Like, he's not – he's, you know, he's built. He's not like a svelte player. He's, you know, more of a big than someone like a Paul George who is the same height, I believe. But Paul George plays like a guard – Chris does kind of as well, but he's just a bigger guy. And Chris in this game, despite playing 25 minutes, had 11 boards, four offensive. And I feel like him playing at center is kind of leaning into, hey, play a little bigger. And I think that's going to help them when they have lineups that are Giannis or Bobby at center, Chris at the four, which I think that's where you really want him as four, not five at his biggest. But I think it's nice to get him a little more reps of like, hey, you're a big on the floor. So like box out, rebound, crash the glass a little, which I think has been good for multiple bucks that they've done that this year. And it's it's been encouraging. Obviously, I'm not saying Chris is going to like set screens and roll to the rim, but getting him, you know, in the paint, banging a little more, I think is good for the bucks. Yeah, and it's part of as you get older and you have health concerns around you, um, that's not that you you put Chris at center and be like, oh, that's going to help his body. But we do know a lot of the areas where Chris is not the same guy as he was three or four years ago, and it's mobility and it's quickness, and it's going to become an even greater issue. And we're not going to pretend they were anywhere close to his strengths to begin with. So playing bigger has always made sense. He has really kind of gradually become a four anyway, more of a four. If it wasn't for Brooke, if it wasn't for Giannis, I think on any other team in the NBA, he would be a starting power forward at this point. Jeremy Grant kind of like, yeah, you're mobile, but you're a four. Yes, exactly. And that's, it kind of just works with the books because the books generally play on the big side anyway. Every, like every position pretty much. They lean there. I guess the only time you could argue differently is at the times when Javon was starting and when they go into lineups that are kind of two guard heavy. But even with that, Drew is not lacking in size for a guard. So you get something that isn't all that unusual there either. But yeah, I, I think it's a it's a pretty natural progression. Again, it's a real pick your spots thing. But an interesting thing for them to have a look at and maybe something you just kind of stumble into some answers there. I know all the focus is, and I'll plug, you wrote a, a really good informative piece on the Substack on Thanks. the book's buyout situation, and I think setting expectations for people. I honestly reset my own expectations after it. I didn't realize they were turd overall now with tax um, factored in, in, in terms of the, 
the bill yeah. that is being foot at the moment. For more on ownership, Adam, what can listeners expect in the coming days? <laughs> Uh, well, I've got some research to do still because, again, I, I just cannot believe that they waited till I was in Iceland. <laughs> I, I like, haven't been out of the country for more than a day in years. I go to Iceland and the Cleveland Browns owner is, is going to buy into the books? Potentially, potentially. Ty keeps saying things like potentially. Um, but but that's not that's not something that really... I don't know. We'll we'll see how it plays out. What people can do though is they can tune in on should be Friday or we'll post. Jordan and I are going to do a a deeper dive on that situation on a few different books off the court things. I tried to get to the bottom of it all. Tried to get to the bottom of our feelings and work out well how should books fans feel about this because we've been locked into a a steady run of a few years of okay. We know what books ownership looks like. There have been highs, there have been lows, but we know what the books ownership group is at this point. We've seen them prepared to pay. What will it look like if there are changes? So on Win and Six on Friday morning, I believe, is when we plan to post that, Jordan and I will do a much more comprehensive run-through of the potentially evolving ownership situation with the books. But you, you got me sidetracked, Ty, off of your your Substack post. So we went from one plug to another. Um, I, if there was an area where they decided, okay, we are going to push this further and we are prepared to pay. The problem is the option isn't really out there, but for me, it would still be a big, um, I know everyone's focus is on, is on guards. I think Joe Ingalls solves a lot of the kind of functional elements of that. I still see, and this is a game, I guess, where it showed up, where if you had a just a capable big, I don't know, you might see someone in the G League that they could take that kind of flyer on and someone who could play. Um, but that is the part of the roster that I would kind of have one eye on. So as much as in theory, the books could add a couple of guys and add even more to their tax bill, that's very unlikely. But if there were two, one for me, I'm still leaning could they find someone who is a little bit bigger? So, for example, Chris doesn't have to do some of this semi-regularly. If it's something that works and works against certain matchups, you're going to because you want to rather than, oh, well, Bobby's down or, you know, knock on wood, the disaster situation be if Brooke misses any time right now. That completely resets your whole idea of how the books play on both ends of the floor. Yeah, it seems like they're just not worried about it. I was listening yeah. to the Point Point Forward podcast with Jim Ozarski, Um, and it sounds like they're – again, it's Jim speaking, not – they didn't interview John Horst or anything, but it sounds like they're they, – it sounds like Bobby's going to be back relatively soon, which is good, hopefully. Um, we didn't get a true update, but that's the hope. Um, and then it sounds like they're thinking more guards. So outside of Patrick Beverly, who I'm like, yeah, I suppose, I mean – Good players, but you know, like to see him, I guess. But um, I, I think Javon is the one guy we didn't talk about. I think the issue with fans looking at Javon is like he goes on these little heaters and then he'll be a little quiet and miss some shots. And I feel like there's this end tendency to be like, oh, he didn't play well because the last thing I saw was, you know, Derek White beat him a couple times and he missed a couple threes. He still ends up shooting 50% from three, big plus in the plus minus. Like, I think Javon usually nets out to plus plus play over the course of a game or a stretch of the season, but there's just highs and lows in there that make it kind of difficult to evaluate him, which is fine. That's a role player. And I still think I'm very comfortable with the guard rotation where it is now. I mean, an injury would hurt, of course, but I'm, I'm fine with Javon mostly playing off ball, handling a little, but really enabling these other guys that we talked about. So, and really if Pat Bev goes somewhere else, the rest of the guard options to me are the, like Jeff Teague, like shouldn't play very much at all kind of guys. Yeah. Or maybe they look overseas. I mean, that's, that's the other Hugo, thing we've seen a little bit more of Hugo is there. That is, that is an option. They could negotiate the international does, buyout on that. When does that season end? Do you know offhand? It's before the NBA one does, right? It's I know before, but it's not, it's not too long before it's increasingly yeah. kind of edged further and further back. So they're not, Cause that, they're was not that Elijah Bryant timing for that reason. Cause I think he came over after the season, right? Or no, he was, is he in Israel when he came? He over? was in he Israel, but it was, Israel? It, was, it was also, it's the, I don't think he was in, 
he's in Israel and they weren't in Euroleague. Like it's gonna depend from club to club on what continental competition you're in. Now that's not a concern for Hugo right now. Um, but I'm not entirely sure on the French league. It's just it's getting closer and closer. It would be late March, early April, would be my guess. So that could be a route they go late in the season, or honestly, depending where teams are in the standings, you could negotiate a buyout maybe before that and go and pick him up. I mean, you've got his draft rights. Yeah. Um, we'll we'll see. I, I, I've always kind of cried out for the books to be more creative in that way, and whether that's to beat a team that really has their finger on the pulse of the G League and gets the guys that are worth that opportunity. Um. They have been more inclined at this time of year, though, to cycle through the, yeah, we have to fill this roster spot. So two-way guy, you're now on a couple of 10 days and you're on the roster. Or uh, someone like Lindell Wigginton, okay, here's your reward for a good season with the Herd and for everything you're doing. We're going to have you on the NBA roster for the end of the season. Like we've, we've seen that happen going back to Xavier Munford. That has been a real common tread for the books of, We've a roster spot to fill. We don't really see someone to do it. Let's just go and get that kind of player. Which I think is nice. I mean, I, I think there's a. I think they also believe there's a shot at those guys too. I think we could see that again with Lindell, who's really, I think, gotten better and, and is a good player. And that would be like, you know, if they are looking for that guard depth, that could be, you know, they would trust him to play, I think, a little bit in, in a emergency-ish moment, which is really all you're looking for in the roster at this point. I agree. I would like a big. It's tough they clearly don't see Mamu as such and I do think they they would I mean I, I get why but it is tough for him at least I don't I just don't see any path forward for him on this roster anymore I guess if multiple players age out maybe they look for him as more of a wing but it's just you know Bobby's going to be there Giannis is going to be there it's always just going to be a tough position Chris hopefully too um, but yeah I think you know, it shouldn't be that exciting of a buyout. If they got someone like Hugo or someone with real potential overseas or even from the G League, that'd be pretty fun. But we know we're not going to see these guys play. I'm, I might see him in Oshkosh, but on the Bucks, we're just not going to see these guys play outside of the occasional punt game. I think they have like eight total back-to-back games left. So that's when we would see these guys, if ever. Yeah, give, give me Derek Favors on a 10-day and let's have a look at something like that. I think that's maybe as good an option as there is out there. Well, um, we'll we'll see a guy in about a week. I think that's when they have to do it. Yeah, for sure. All right, Ty. I think that's pretty much it to wrap up the Celtics game where the books stand. They're right where we would have liked them to be. They're right in the edge of being the one seed going into the All-Star break. It's not that long ago that, that felt like quite a long way off. So to see them get back to there is really, really great. Seven games clear of someone like the Nets in fifth. Again, there was a time not too long ago where it wasn't unthinkable that the books could end up being like a four or five seed come the end of the year. So things have really kind of solidified yeah. for the books. They're in great position. Things are looking good. So we'll see what happens from here. To wrap it up, let's let's start with give people one more reminder of our giveaway, just in case they went, oh, yeah, I'll enter that. And they've listened to a podcast now completely forgotten about it. Yeah, I mean, we said so many you know, provocative, enlightening things. It would make sense. But gspn.info, where you can find all gspn content enter the bobby portis autographed jersey giveaway upload screenshots of you your subscriptions to gspn pods wherever you listen to podcasts apple spotify stitcher repod our good friends at repod wherever works um but upload those and a screenshot of a donation again please crop out your financial info we don't need that but just that you i donated. do not want your financial information I don't to make want it, it really clear I don't even want to manage mine. So I certainly don't want to access any more um, with tax season coming up. But um, donation of Feeding America to help feed hungry kids, but up to five entries per user. I'm clearly up to five. There's five things to upload. You can't go subscribe across every platform as fun as that. You can do that if you want, but it's not going to be more entries. Um, but please enter, subscribe, and listen to the GSPN shows. Donate to Feeding America Eastern Wisconsin and hope, potentially win a Bobby Portis jersey autograph. So Rohan's got it. He doesn't want to give it up, but we're going to make him. And again, Rohan's got it. So for those of you that that's an extra motivation and we know you're out there, um, listen, it's it's been true. <laughs> Rohan caught his hands. You do with that <laughs> what you will. Um, to wrap up other business, join repod.com forward slash GSPN. Repod is a platform where, you know, you might be looking for somewhere new to listen to your pods, to subscribe to your favorite pods, but also to engage with your favorite podcasters, to be able to talk about 
the things that get discussed on an episode you just listened to. If you ever feel like you're listening, you have something to say, but you can't say it. Uh, we're active on, on Repod. So go to joinrepod.com forward slash GSPN. All our episodes are there, but you can also check out our room. We post the episodes up there. Get in touch with us. Send us any thoughts you have, any ideas, any suggestions for the books to make. We're there. We're active. We keep a close eye on all things there. I uh, I have an analogy for following up three. I'm going to only share it on Repod. I'm just going to tease it here. Mm. It's good, I think. So I'm going to type that up when the episode goes up and share it there. So join Repod. There you go. For bonus content. That's the place you got to go now. Um, GSPN.info. You'll get links to absolutely everything we do, including all of our podcasts. So we've got the main feed here, the Eurostep Podcast Network, home to Eurostep and Win in Six. Win in Six on potential ownership change coming on Friday. We've got Cruising for a Bruising for all things Milwaukee Brewers. We're getting to kind of pitchers reporting, spring training season. A lot of we'll talk some other um, off the field stuff with the brewers and local politics and all of the fun oh, there. Brother. So lots of lots of people with lots of money involved in all these teams. All of a sudden, Ty, I feel like we've gone back in time. These kind of conversations. <laughs> um, talking to Tundra, covering all things Green Bay Packers. Jordan and Newmark are refusing to talk about the Aaron Rodgers issues I want to bring to the pod. I believe they're doing great. So if that sounds like something you're into, <laughs> check that out. And make time for this, our pod for pop culture and other things. We've got a Knock at the Cabin M. Night Shyamalan pod coming up later in the week, so subscribe to that too. We've got, got all things covered. We're very busy here at GSPN. All right. We are. Thank you, as always, Ty. Thanks to all of you for listening. And we'll talk to you all soon. Thank you. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.